hopefully have your Bible with you today. Um, if you do, open up to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to pick up in verse 7. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7, and we're going to continue our series today on the family. Now, you might remember that last week uh, when we met, we talked about God's plan for marriage as a whole. We talked about the institution of marriage. And you'll remember that his plan is the same today as it always has been, and that is one man and one woman for one lifetime. That is God's ideal, and we saw that in the Genesis account. Uh, God joined Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That was the very first uh, marriage ceremony that happened, and God himself conducted it. And so we looked at how that applied in in some uh, different situations for today. Now today we're going to look at something that's a little bit different. We're going to look at God's plan for singleness. God's plan for singleness. Now, sadly, when Christians talk about God's plan for the family, they always jump to marriage. And I mean, it only makes sense because uh, that, that's a, a major part for most people's lives is, is the institution of marriage. Uh, but when we do that, we don't speak to the place where many people find themselves, and that is being single. And I knew that singleness was on the rise, but until I studied for this sermon, I didn't know how much of a rise it was on. I looked at different places, the Census Bureau, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, all these different bureaus. They all have all kinds of very boring information. And all those things told me the same thing. And that was that uh, singleness from the 1950s to today has steadily grown. And then, according to what I read, I think it was about 2007, it really began to take off. In fact, in a 2014 article that I read, it said that the number of single adults in the United States now, this is people who, are, who have never been married, people who are single, again, because of divorce, or people who are single because uh, they are widows or widowers. But the number of people that are single in the United States for the first time outnumbers uh, the number of married people. There are more single people in the United States than married people. And I was surprised by that statement, but I was not shocked because... Uh, there are a lot of single people out there, and I, I, like I said, I knew that. I have several friends who are single. Uh, and so today, I want, to, I want us to look at God's plan for singleness. Now, uh, whether you're single or single again, or maybe you're a widow or widower, uh, God speaks to your situation. God's Word speaks to it. Now, where we pick up in our text today in 1 Corinthians 7, the Corinthian church had sent Paul a letter and asked him a number of questions. History does not uh, record or, or has preserved that letter, but we do have Paul's responses to those questions. And so evidently they'd asked him about marriage. Uh, Paul, should people get married? Who should get married? If, if, uh, what, what if one of us becomes a Christian? Does, does that mean that we should leave our unbelieving spouse? Um, what if, what if the, the unbelieving spouse leaves us? What should we do? What, about, uh, what if we're widows or, or widowers? And Paul covers a lot of ground. I mean, he, it's just instruction, bam, 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 bam. And if you were to outline this, he didn't really, he didn't, he didn't do preachers a favor when, when he wrote this because you, it would have been nice if he would have put all this stuff for singles here and all the stuff for married people here and all the stuff for, you know, in all these different situations and grouped it all together, but he doesn't do that. Instead, what he does is he talks about marriage and just covers the whole gamut of stuff and all the stuff that he says speaks to these different situations, and it's all woven together. And so all of it's important, of course, but there are 40 verses in, in chapter 7. We're not going to read all 40 verses. Uh, we're just going to pull out a few that speak to the issue of singleness and just focus on those today. 
So if you found 1 Corinthians 7, please stand with me in honor of God's Word. And we're going to pick up in verse 7, and like I said, we're going to skip to a few different places in this chapter, so uh, just be ready to, uh, to turn the page, maybe. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7, he says, Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God. Now, when he says, I, w- I wish that uh, all men were even as I myself am, he's talking about being single. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, jump down to verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as, those, uh, as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as those who did not rejoice, and those who buy as, those, as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away." But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is unconcerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate, and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. I'll jump down to verse 39. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Thank you. may be seated. Now, there was a lot of ground that we covered, and so I just want to, I just want to start in verse 7, and we'll work our way through. And, and the first thing that I want you to see is that singleness, as well as marriedness, and that is my own creation, marriedness, um, uh, singleness as well as marriedness is a gift from God. Singleness as well as marriedness is a gift from God. Now, there are some people, whenever uh, single people, whenever they hear that singleness is a gift from God, they would probably be shouting, Amen, brother, hallelujah, you are right about that. I mean, they love being single. They love the freedom that it brings. They, love, uh, they, they, they just enjoy being single. And there are also a great many single people, whenever they hear that, they would say, Pastor, you've gotten it wrong. Uh, uh, pastor, you, you don't know what you're talking about. They, they would disagree because they feel like they're missing out on an important part of their life. They feel like they are incomplete without a, a husband or a wife. And what's more, sometimes folks within a church or, or folks within a family can only aggravate that problem. I mean, uh, uh, people are always asking, So, you seen anybody yet? So, uh, you know, Tom's, you're not getting any younger. You going to be getting married one of these days? So, you know, and they're always pressuring them uh, to get married. Or maybe people don't invite singles to stuff because uh, everybody else that's coming 
has a significant other. And they don't want them to feel awkward, be the only one that's there without a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. Or maybe they do invite the single, and then they're the only one there that's, that's coming alone, and then they feel real out of place. And a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of singles are like that lady. She was a single, and her aunt, every time she'd see her at a wedding, she'd pinch her cheek and say, oh, your time's coming. I just know it's coming soon. You're next. And then she started doing that to her aunt at funerals. Oh, your, your time's coming soon. I just know you are. I just know it is. You're next. You know, a lot of times that's uh, uh, people in, 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 in churches and, and people in families, they don't mean to, but they actually make the singles feel a lot worse. And it was, I mean, we think there's a lot of pressure today. Back in Paul's day, the Jews said, if you did not have uh, a wife and therefore children, that you had slain your, your posterity. And in fact, they said that there are certain people who are excluded from the kingdom of heaven, and people without uh, a family were some of those people that weren't going to heaven. Now, you, you talk about pressure. That's a lot of pressure. If I'm wanting to go to heaven, I've got to get married and have kids. And so Paul was single. And he said, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're married or whether you're single. Look at verse 7. That's a gift from God. If you're, if you're in a good marriage, you know that's a, that's a gift from God. But what does he mean when it says that it's a gift of God to be single? Well, uh, as I said before, uh, a lot of people think of a gift of God as just being something that's good. And so there's a sense in which it's, it's good for people whenever they're single because they have certain freedoms that married people do not have. But more to the point of what he's saying is, is that not everybody, and you'll look at verse 9, it'll, it'll show you what he's talking about, not everybody has the self-control that's needed to be a pure single. And if you do have that self-control, that's a gift of God. You remember Jesus said essentially the same thing in, in Matthew chapter 19. Some people came up and said, Jesus, is it lawful to divorce uh, uh, your wife for any reason at all? And so Jesus began to talk about, you know what, divorce isn't the, question, the right question. The right question is, what about marriage? And he pointed back to Genesis 2, and, and he said that God's plan has always been one man, one woman for one lifetime. And yeah, marriage is permitted in a certain circumstance, but that's only because of the hardness of our hearts. It, it, it never has been God's intention to do that. And so after hearing that, the disciples, in verses 10 to 12, they said, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it is being given. Now, he, he goes on to say some more stuff, and I'll read it here in a second. But do you all know what a eunuch is? We read that word in the Bible. A eunuch is someone who has been emasculated in some way, or they, they can't perform the normal functions that a natural man would be able to do. Today, around here, we'd say they've been castrated. That's what, that's what it means. Now, the kings, whenever they would take over a, a, a portion of land, sometimes if they had, uh, you know, they'd take the really bright from that society, and many times they would emasculate the men because it made them more docile. Uh, they weren't always trying to fight in war, and they would put the eunuchs in charge of their harems, which were their, their concubines and things like that, because they knew, hey, I got nothing to worry about, and so he's talking here about people who have, uh, who are unable to uh, perform the natural function of men. And he says, uh, "Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven." 
He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Now, there was an ancient church father that took that literally, and so he emasculated himself, but that is not what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is there are people who have chosen not to get married, not to have a family for the sake of the kingdom. He's saying the same thing that Paul is saying here. He's just using different words. Uh, Paul is saying the single person is to be a pure person. We're wired to have certain desires, and those desires are only fulfilled appropriately within the context of marriage. And since that single person does not have a marriage partner, they must have very strict self-control. According to verse 9, most people don't have that level of self-control. Now, some people can, and those that can are those whom God has gifted to do so. But since most people don't have that level of self-control, verse 9, it's better just to get married. It's better for them to marry. So does that mean the person that's single or single again, who's feeling pressure to commit immorality, should just get married to the first person they meet? No, as, as the, uh, as the uh, Life Application Study Bible says, it's better to deal with the pressure of desire than to deal with an unhappy marriage. So he's, he's saying that it's good to be single. Some people are given the gift of God to live that way. Either way, it's uh, it's a gift, marriage or singleness. Now, if you look at verses 25 to 35, uh, the second thing that Paul says to those who are single or they're single again is that the single life is free from certain troubles and concerns that married people have. Married li- or single life is free from certain troubles and concerns that married people have. He says in verse 28, married people are going to have trouble in this life. I figured I, I, thank you, wife. My wife is the only one that is having troubles, I guess. But no, seriously, if, if you're married, if, you, if you've ever been married, you know that that's a fact. And if, if you have kids, you know that, that that family relationship can bring such a great amount of joy, but at the same time, it can bring such a great amount of pain. But Paul seems to have something very specific in mind other than just having evidently a husband that really gets under your skin. If you'll look at verse 26, he says, I think then that it is good, that it is good in view of this present distress. Uh, I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. He's talking about present distress. This is pastoral counsel. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul's referring to with this distress. Some people look at this and they say, well, evidently Paul was expecting Jesus to return within his lifetime. And, you know, he says, uh, in, at the end, perilous times are going to come. And so that must be what he's talking about, this distress that's coming before the, 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 the return of Christ. Other people say, no, at the time that Paul wrote this, Nero, the emperor Nero, was on the throne. And he foresaw this persecution of Christians that was coming. Either way, the idea here is that is that when push comes to shove and trials and persecutions arise, as they did in his lifetime, as great as family is, it can ultimately be used against you. As great as family is, it can ultimately be used against you. It it can cause you trouble. It can cause you to possibly waver if you're standing firm in your faith. And, And they had to face death, right? Because their testimony of Christ... And what Paul is saying, I think, is, is that whenever you're being faced with death, you're going to start thinking about, what about my wife? What about my husband? What about my kids that I'm going to be leaving behind? And that can cause you to possibly waver. And so it can cause you trouble. But the other thing he says in verse 32, 
is that the single person, and this applies to us all today, is that the single person can avoid certain concerns that married, person, married people necessarily have. And then he tells us what he means. Look at verses 33 and 34. He says that uh, a marriage person's interests are divided. Now, if you're a Christian and you're married, you know what he's talking about. Because you may be devoted to Christ, and you can sing with all your heart, uh, wherever he leads I'll go, and you can, I surrender all, and you can sing all those songs and really mean them, but at the end of the day, you still have to live with your spouse, right? And at the end of the day, you still have to think about, well, what's going to make my spouse happy? How am I going to provide for my spouse and my kids and my family? And so Paul says the single person doesn't have that as an issue. The single person can devote themselves wholly to God, whereas the married person can devote themselves to God, but at the end of the day, again, they have to consider their family too. And what's sad, I think, is that in this day and time, there are more single people than ever in the history of our country, and more of them are living for self rather than the Savior. People have had that opportunity to, to devote themselves fully to God, and yet they're living for themselves. So single life and married life are equally gifts of God. The single life avoids certain troubles and, and concerns that married life has because uh, you have to consider other people as well. And it allows them to focus more fully on God and his plans. And the last thing that he says is in verses 39 and 40. And he concludes here with the word to widows and widowers. And I want you to notice he does not speak specifically to those who are single because of divorce. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, because he's already talked about in verses uh, 10 and 11. I guess we should have read those uh, then, but we'll just read them now. He said, But to the married I give instructions, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. This is, this is just a repeating of what Jesus himself taught in Matthew's chapter Matthew chapters 5 and 19. Namely, that divorce, except in the case of infidelity, is wrong. Now, I spoke about that in depth uh, some while back, and so I'm not going to focus here on that aspect. I'm going to put my focus where Paul does, and that is on those whose spouse have died. And what he says in verse 39 is if, if your spouse has passed away, you're now single. And therefore, verse 39, you're free to marry whoever you wish, only, he says there are two requirements. First, it has to be in the Lord. Okay, that, in other words, it's a godly Christian you should be looking for. And second, he says in verse 40, while you may marry, it's not that you must marry. Okay, so Paul says even, even if you've been married before your spouse has passed away you're now a widow or a widower he says you're free to marry you fulfilled your vow till death do us part but still yet there are certain advantages to being single he says so how do we wrap this up what is what is the word for us well paul is not dogging on marriage because it's easy to read this and be like man paul must have he must have had a bad experience he doesn't want anybody to get married uh he must not really like marriage well, that's not the case at all. He recognizes that it's a gift of God. That's the way God has orchestrated things. But he also recognizes that sometimes there's a great deal of pressure to be married when that's not always God's will for everybody. 
So if you are single or you're single again, I want you to realize a few things. First, you're not a second-class citizen. You're not a second-class Christian. Singleness is not sinful. It's not, nothing to be ashamed of. You're not less of a person because you're single. But also realize that you may be single, but that may not be God's plan for you the whole, your whole life. It may not, you may not be able to do, do that for the long term. Why? Because you may not have the self-control that's needed to live a pure life. Paul says, you know, singleness is great, but it's a lot better to get married than to burn with lust. And, and the implication there is that you're burning with lust, with lust and then you're giving in and, and, and falling into sexual sin. So if you can be pure and single, fantastic. Thank God for it. Live, enjoy yourself. Live a pure life. But the Bible also says we need to beware. We need to flee immorality. Instead, if you're single, Paul would say here, devote yourself fully to God. Serve Him in your singleness. Now, sometimes we see serving God as a means to an end, don't we? Well, if I do this, then God is obligated to do that. If I serve God, does that mean that He's going to send, you know, tall, dark, and handsome my way? Well, maybe. Maybe He will. But it's not like you're earning it. It's not like you deserve it. But what I do know is that we should all be seeking His kingdom and His righteousness first whether you're married or single. Now, for those of us who are married, we need to be sensitive to our, our single uh, brothers and sisters around us and not, not be pressuring them to hurry up and get married, not be reminding them about the biological clock that's ticking. Uh, you know, you better, better be finding you a man, better be finding you a woman. And since singleness is not sinful, we shouldn't look down on them, we shouldn't pity them, we shouldn't be jealous of them, Instead, we should love each other for who we are and where we are. Jesus said that people will know that we're his followers by our love for one another. And that's why I call you to today. It's to love one another. Because when we love people, we reflect the character and the nature of God. Because God is someone who loves. He's the one who loved us enough that he gave his son to die for us. Now, I know that I've been speaking very specifically to the issue of of marriage and singleness and family, that it may be that that you're here and, and you've never repented of your sin. You've, you've never accepted that offer that God gives through Christ to have your sins forgiven, to turn from your sin, to get eternal life. And if you've never done that, you need to do it today. Turn your back on your old way of life. Tell God you're sorry for your sins. And ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Paul said, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.